you know, many of us are getting ready to, to think about vacations here for the summer. Many of us will be traveling. Safety is very important to us when, when we travel. And so we've, we've heard in the news about the, the new plane, the 737 MAX, that had a lot of problems earlier this year. Two of them crashed. And after two of them crashed, people said, we, we've got to take a look at this. We've got to figure out what's going on. So they grounded all of those planes in order to figure out what was going wrong. I mean, when you and I fly on a plane, we want to know that someone inspected that plane ahead of time, right? I want to know that everything was checked out and everything is looking good. Now, once I'm on the plane and they're giving me instructions about safety and what I need to do if I leave, I I can ignore that. I mean, I I don't care about that stuff. But I want to know that someone on the outside of the plane looked at the plane to make sure that it's all functioning the way it should. I mean, safety is important to us in cars as well, right? We have airbags to protect us if there is an accident. We have proximity alerts now to help keep us from having an accident. We have all kinds of car seats for for kids. And I understand now that when you take your child home from the hospital, the hospital actually comes and inspects your car seat to make sure that it was installed properly. That's how important safety is to us. I mean, I look back to when I was growing up, and I don't even think we had seat belts in the back seat. And if we did, there were, they were lap belts, which everybody says, like, do not wear a lap belt because then you're going to break your back if you have an accident. It's amazing, actually, that some of us survived, you know, all, all of that. But we value, we value safety. And there's something that people of faith really value highly about God And that is that God promises to protect us. We value that God protects us, the idea that God would protect us, because we know that no matter how many things we try to put in place to protect ourselves and keep ourselves safe, we know that there's still a lot of ways to get hurt in this world. And so the idea that there's someone bigger, someone stronger watching out for us is very comforting. The challenge is, that many of us, as we go through life, we experience things that just that sometimes doesn't feel like God is protecting us. And you, you may be here this morning, maybe you're at Grace Point for the first time, maybe you're exploring faith for the first time, and you have heard a preacher on TV, or you've read a book, you've heard somebody say that if you decide to follow Jesus, from that point on, your life will go smoothly, and nothing bad is going to happen to you. And what I need to do for you this morning, if you came, maybe you came here looking for that, I need to figure out how that works. I need to just tell you, I'm going to burst your bubble. I, I don't think life does work that way. And if you had an opportunity to talk to some of the folks around you who have been walking with Jesus for many years, you would find out that we are not exempt from every hard thing in life. In fact, we as a church have been grieving the loss of one of our elders who had esophageal cancer for two and a half years. He just passed a couple of weeks ago. And, and we look at him, and, and I might look at his situation and say, God, where was your protection in the midst of that? And, and you could tell a story of something that's happened in your life where you would say, something happened here, and I'm not sure. Maybe God was, you know, occupied elsewhere at that moment and didn't protect me from that. I want to wrestle with that this morning. 
because God did protect, did promise to protect us. And I, I have to tell you, I'm not sure, I'll just tell you up front, I'm not sure I'm gonna totally answer that question and that tension to your satisfaction, but we're gonna wrestle with it for a few minutes here this morning. Because God did promise to protect us, what we need to, to kind of look at is what, what does that mean and what can we expect from God? We're going to look at that as we look at Psalm 121. So if you would take a Bible or take your, your device and look it up on an app there, we're going to look at Psalm 121. There's a Bible near you on the seat, and Psalm 121 is on page 574. Um, we're ending a series where we've looked at five songs that teach us how to come to God when we're hurting. I think sometimes we're afraid to come to God when we're hurting because we feel like we should get our act together before we come to God. He's not going to want us around if we're mopey. I mean, we, the people around us don't want us around when we're mopey, and so we figure God might be that way too. But God actually says with open arms, I want you to come to me raw, broken, honest. And over half of the Psalms are lament Psalms, weeping, God, why is this happening to me? But God says, come, come when you're hurting. And so as we close here today, we're going to look at a psalm that is probably familiar for many of us that has brought comfort to many people over the years. Psalm 121.1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? We've, we've been looking at these psalms, which were written in Hebrew, and they were written as songs. I thought it would be interesting as we close this series to hear what it sounds like, what this psalm sounds like in Hebrew. And you get a little sense of the poetry of it. And so, so we're just going to listen to a recording of, of Psalm 121. So you get a little sense of the poetry and the, the rhythm there. You might have caught the word repeated Adonai. Over and over again, Jewish people will stay far away from saying the personal name of God because they want to be sure that they're not mispronouncing it, using God's name in vain. But what I'm going to do now is read this in, in English, and I'm going to use the personal name of God, Yahweh, where your Bible says the Lord written in all caps. And I want to do that this morning because this is a very personal, it's an intensely personal psalm. Every time it says the word you, it's singular. So it's not talking to a group of person, it's talking to an individual, and this is the personal God talking to us. Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Yahweh is your keeper. Yahweh is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Yahweh will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Yahweh will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The title line for, for this song is a song of ascents. And scholars have a number of different ideas of what the ascent is referring to, but one that, that most people agree on is that there's a cluster of songs here that were used and sung as people were going to Jerusalem. 
They were traveling as pilgrims to Jerusalem. People were called to Jerusalem for festivals uh, at least once a year to come to make sacrifices, to celebrate the goodness of God, to meet with God in a unique way because God's presence was uniquely in the temple in Jerusalem in, in a unique way. And so they're traveling up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is on a hill. So these are songs of ascent. And they are songs of anticipation because they're looking forward to what's going to happen there, what they're going to get to participate in when they get to Jerusalem. There's also in these songs a little bit of some trepidation and a little bit of fear because when, when we read this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. These, these hills around Jerusalem and the roads leading to Jerusalem were sometimes a place of danger it was a place where robbers, bandits would hang out and attack people. Jesus told a famous story about the Good Samaritan who was attacked on the road from Jerusalem. And so these roads were, there, there was some danger involved here. And with that as a backdrop, the, the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills where I know there may be some danger lurking. From where does my help come? And then he makes this affirmation. My help comes from Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. Yahweh made all these hills that I see that may contain some danger. He made all of it. He is the maker. He's the creator. And he is my, my help. We might put ourselves in the place of this, this walker, this journeyer, if we think about going on a hike. If you've ever been on a hike in the woods and maybe you're far from the trailhead, you're far from your car, and you can imagine being out there kind of far from everything and maybe you didn't time it very well and it starts getting dark. And then you start hearing things in, in the forest. I mean, that's kind of where this person is. They're, they're kind of feeling a little bit of fear. What's going to happen to me as I travel? So he makes this declaration. My help comes from Yahweh who made heaven and earth. And then he goes on and says, let me tell you about this God that I'm putting my, my faith in. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I don't know if you caught this or not, but we've changed voice. Okay, the voice in the first two verses is first person. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Now in verse three, he says, he will not keep your foot. He will not let your foot be moved. It's now second person. He's talking to himself. I shared this a couple of months ago. I read uh, a line from a book I was reading by C.J. Mahaney where he talked about uh, the fact that we spend way too much time listening to ourselves when we should be talking to ourselves. We spend time just listening to whatever voice comes into our head instead of speaking to ourselves and speaking truth. And that's what the psalmist is doing here. He's recognizing his situation, recognizing he needs help, and then he's talking to himself. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Yahweh is your keeper. There's a word that keeps getting repeated over and over again here. Have you picked up on it? Keep, keep, keeper. Okay, so six times in this very short song, the, the, the word means to guard to protect. Yahweh is your keeper. What I hope you take away this morning is your keeper is a keeper. 
that your keeper, the one who keeps you, who promises to guard and protect, he's not one to turn away from. He's one to stick with, even in the midst of danger, even when sometimes it doesn't feel like he is protecting you from every bad thing. We're going to talk more about that in, in a moment. Your keeper is a keeper. He's not a sleeper. Okay, verse 4, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. We have an ongoing bit of tension in my house because when my wife and I go to bed at night, I'm out like that. And my wife says, you know, Dave, if something ever happened during the night, if anybody was trying to, to get in, I mean, you, you would not know about it. And I would have to wake you up to go do something about that, to which I respond, I need my sleep. I mean, you know, what can I say? But when we are sleeping, that's our most vulnerable point, right? I mean, we have no idea what's going on around us. We have no idea might be, what might be coming at us. It's very comforting to know that your keeper is not a sleeper. He will neither slumber nor sleep. There is never a moment when God's eye is not on you, when he's not aware of what is happening in, in your life. Verse 5, he's your keeper. Yahweh is your shade on your right hand. The right hand was a symbol of power and strength. God is your strength. At your right hand, he is your shade over, overshadowing you. Verse 6, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. I mean, we're aware of how the sun can harm us. We can get sunburn. We can get cancer from the sun. We can get dehydrated. The moon, maybe not so much, although it's interesting that the word lunatic comes from the Latin for, for moon. And if you talk to a nurse, usually on full moon, that's when some crazy stuff is going on in the hospital. So maybe the moon has a little more impact on us than we realize. But really what I think this verse is getting at is the sun won't strike you by day, the moon by night. There is nothing any time of day or night that can get at you as God is your keeper. And then the statements get even broader as the song ends. Yahweh will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Yahweh will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I mean, that pretty much covers it all, doesn't it? I mean, God is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. That's very comforting that God would watch over and protect a lonely traveler on his journey of life, except sometimes it just doesn't seem that way. Sometimes it seems like there are things that are slipping through the watchful eye of God. Maybe, maybe he was not asleep, but he was looking the other direction when this got through. I really have wrestled with this as I read the psalm because it's so black and white, cut and dry. And I think, okay, is God making a promise here that he's not delivering on? Or maybe I'm just not understanding what this psalm is actually saying. Here's what's clear. We always want to start with what's clear. What's clear in this psalm is that God is in some way, shape, or form, he is our keeper. He, he, I mean, that gets repeated over and over again. He's our keeper, he's our guard, he's our protector. And he is that for us personally because he's speaking to us uh, in, the, in the first person singular. So if keeping 
guarding, protecting means that nothing bad or uncomfortable or inconvenient is ever going to happen to me, then this psalm is not reliable, and I, I can't trust God to do that because that's not my experience in life. But maybe what we need to do is to be careful not to impose our 21st century ideas of what safety and protection mean on on an ancient song that is transcending all of time. See, we in the 21st century, we like to control things and we like to control life to the point that we don't encounter anything uncomfortable or painful or hard. And so one example of a way that uh, it's necessary sometimes for us to experience a little pain could be illustrated by thinking about if you're, if you're ever walking down a sidewalk with a three-year-old, and that three-year-old goes to start stepping out in front of traffic, what are you going to do? I mean, you're going you're gonna to grab their arm pretty urgently. You're going to grab them and, and bring them to, to safety. What is that three-year-old going to say to you? Ouch, that you, you hurt me, because you're probably not going to be real gentle. You're going to grab their arm because you want to save them. All they can see in their three-year-old mind is you just hurt me. They don't see what they were just saved from. One example, that's one example for you and I where God sometimes, I think, grabs our arm and takes us away because our perspective is a whole lot more like a three-year-old when we're compared to God than anything else. And so we oftentimes don't see what God is doing behind the scenes or why he's allowing something in our life, but he is oftentimes training us, growing us, maturing us, and that's not easy. Discipline, discipline is hard. Hebrews 12 says that. No discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. So God sometimes intervenes in our lives in ways that are uncomfortable and difficult for us, but he's doing it for our good. And I know that doesn't easily explain all of the pain of our life away, but in the end, we have to say with Isaiah, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. But in some way, shape, or form, we affirm that through all of it, he is my keeper, he is my guard, he is my protector, and there's nothing that can get to me that he doesn't allow. Verse seven says, Yahweh will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. So as we think about Phil Anders and, and his battle with cancer, it was probably about six months ago, I was sitting with him and he shared just a very personal prayer request that his wife gave me permission to, to share. He, he said that his greatest fear was that he would die suffocating, which was a real possibility because cancer of the esophagus, he had to have a trach put in, he was struggling to breathe towards the end. And so he asked for prayer for that because he was very fearful that that would be the way that, that he would go. And praise the Lord, he did not. He, he Phil passed peacefully. And I, I share that just to say that it, there are aspects of our lives that God is keeping us, guarding us, and protecting us. It doesn't mean that he removes all the bad, but ultimately our lives are in his hands. He 
he keeps us, he guards us and protects us. And the good news for Phil is that now Phil is, is his life is in God's hands, in God's presence. He is whole again, and God has kept his life for, for eternity. Some of you right now are in a, in a difficult season. There's pain in your life and you're suffering and maybe you're questioning and you're, you're doubting God. Maybe you're asking, from where does my help come? It's an opportunity when, when you're in those painful moments to come back and to say, okay, I'm not sure I understand everything that's going on around me, but one thing I know is God is my keeper. And my keeper is a keeper. I'm not going to let go of him. In the midst. There is no other source that can help me. I, I come to, to him. I'm indebted to James Montgomery Boyce for pointing out a parallel idea between Psalm 121 and Romans 8. So I want to share a few verses with you from Romans 8 where the Apostle Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So, so Paul experienced all of those things in that list. He experienced tribulation, distress, persecution, famine. I mean, Paul's experiencing these hardships, and it might have been easy for him in the midst of that to say, God, where are you? Why are you not guarding me and protecting me like Psalm 121 promised? But he affirms in the midst and in spite of those painful experiences, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So whatever's going on around us, whatever threatens us from outside of us, that nothing can change who is inside of us when we have trusted Christ to walk through our journey with us. Even through suffering, Paul was confident in God's keeping. Eugene Peterson has made this reflection on Psalm 121. He said, the Christian life is not a quiet escape to a garden where we can walk and talk uninterruptedly with our Lord. The Christian life is going to God. In going to God, Christians travel the same ground that everyone else walks on, breathe the same air, drink the same water, shop in the same stores, read the same newspapers, are citizens under the same governments, pay the same prices for groceries and gasoline, fear the same dangers, are subject to the same pressures, get the same distresses, are buried in the same ground. The difference is that each step we walk, each breath we breathe, we know we are preserved by God. We know we are accompanied by God. We know we are ruled by God. And therefore, no matter what doubts we endure or what accidents we experience, the Lord will preserve us from evil. He will keep our life. So, when we're hurting, and we don't know how to come to God, there's at least five songs that we can sing. And this song, 
121 we can use as a prayer of blessing in anticipation of the short journeys and the journey of, of life. So as your kids leave for school, these last few weeks of school, you might pray this prayer of blessing over them. As you get ready to leave for your vacation this summer, you might pray this prayer of blessing, trusting God to keep you and affirming my keeper is a keeper. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for being our keeper. We, we wish that you being our keeper meant that you would exempt us from all the pain in life, but we know that that's not the case. We, we know that because of even Jesus who has gone before us, whose life was far from exempt from pain, but whose triumph over pain and over death we celebrate even now as we move into communion. So Lord, we thank you that it is by Jesus' wounds that we are healed, and we thank you that we can trust because you know what suffering is. We can trust that the suffering that you allow in our lives, you will, you will equip us to handle, and we, Lord, help us in faith to trust your keeping, your guarding, your protecting over us, and entrust ourselves into your hands in this life and for sure for the next. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.